0: I'm Carrie, and we are a paranormal chicks episode ninety. And we are still making mistakes, and by we, I mean me, because apparently Billie Holiday died of skin disorder. <laughs> Except she didn't. Except she didn't. But how can Miss Medical over there have listened to me and not said Donna, you dumb? I call myself being like
1: that was weird. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I did, wasn't listening
0: hard enough. Uh-huh. She was probably <laughs> thinking, oh, free lives and candy crush.
1: There, Look,
0: if I'm not going to do it, who else is going to crush that candy? <laughs> so, y'all, just know that I meant cirrhosis of the liver, not psoriasis. <laughs> I don't know why
1: that cracks me (laughs) (laughs) up.
0: Oh, my gosh. Like, how in the fuck did I miss that? I don't know. I know how the fuck I messed that up because, you know, dealing with skin issues over here. But, Miss Medical, you are supposed to be my checks and balances. So, yes, I made a mistake and I'm blaming Carrie for it. (laughs) It's not unusual. No. I know I wanted to be Tom Jones, but I'm not going to do it. You know who didn't screw up? Who? patreoners well they might have (laughs) it's debatable yeah they haven't made it through all the episodes yet they might be like oh fuck I pulled a Donna
1: (laughs) all I have to say what are those names I fucked up that time
0: Paula and Gertrude no (laughs) one forgot those (laughs) I did I will go to my grave being like, Paula was Gertrude and Gertrude was, (laughs) and it wasn't. And they were fucking mother mother and daughter. daughter. (laughs) First up, Heather T. from New York. Mandy C. from Texas. Brenda H. from California. Andrea T. L. from Louisiana. And Charissa R. from Indiana. And look, Charissa sent us an email telling us how to pronounce her name, and I'm still thinking I'm fucking it up. Pulling a Donna. episode 90, y'all. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon, the Creepinati, all of the things. We hope you enjoy all of the extra content. And if you want an episode shout out, hop on over to www.patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast.
1: Okay, before we start like the episode episode, I just want to do a quick mental health check in. Because I feel like we're at the time of the year where it's the most wonderful time of the year, but it's really not for everybody. And holidays can be really hard and we're in the thick of it. We just got past Halloween and Thanksgiving and with Christmas and New Year's right around the corner, it just can be a stressful time for finances, for relationships, lack thereof, all the things y'all don't need me to tell you. And I know my anxiety's up. And worried about money and all the things. So I just wanted to do a quick mental health check-in to just remind everybody that you're not alone. And to reach out for help if you need it. Especially, again, this time of year. Like, just the rates of anxiety, depression, death by suicide. All of that is so elevated this time of year. And so, just want everyone to
0: be safe and Reach out for help. I concur. And I am going to my doctor to up my anxiety meds. So, hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. I just got on that PRN, anxiety medicine, too, not too long ago. Man, life's hard. It is. It is. Oh, also, with your mental health check-in, reminded me that one of our listeners, Andrea, she messaged me and was like, hey, BTW, All of your symptoms that you were describing on the last day of your trip, you're not crazy. Well, (laughs) she was being nice. But you're not crazy. Those sound like autoimmune issues. And I was like, girl, I have an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, so you're telling me that the brain fog, like the craziness that I was in a bubble – and I couldn't function. I couldn't stay up. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's – those are all symptoms. And I'm like, that's like an autoimmune disease. So that is one good thing about, you know, being completely open about your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people can be like, hey, BTW, I think this. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And let me talk to my rheumatologist. So thank y'all. If you ever hear anything – that you're like, this sounds like this. Email us, message us, because, you know, two heads are better than one. hmm And even though we have two heads over here, we need someone else, because.
1: Our two, look, our heads are basically two halves that make up one. Yeah. We need somebody else. All right, you ready to jump on in? Why I
0: say it it's so country? <laughs> I don't know, but sure. All right, y'all. What I'm going to talk about is a mythological being that originated in Germanic folklore. Krampus. Already talked about him. So, what am I talking about? They're called imps. I M P. And they are tiny little things. Think about like a garden gnome. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're scarier. They're similar to fairies because they're tricksters. They love pulling pranks, they're mischievous. So like fairies, their behavior is sometimes uncontrollable, all of the thing They make a ruckus. So they're usually not very attractive. That's what people say when they see them. And they are really like low-level demons. And they can range from like pranksters to just evil, malicious fuckers. So in folklore, people began to associate fairies as being good, mischievous, but good, but imps being malicious and evil. We've talked about fairies and changelings. So, how they would get kids, switch them with the fae children. Mm-hmm. And we learned that Carrie is a changeling. Mm-hmm. Well, imps love to fuck with people's directions. So, you could be traveling and be like, wait, how did I end up here? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be an imp. In the beginning of the folklore, imps were like lonely little creatures that wanted a companion and they wanted humans to like them. And so they would use jokes and all of that, you know, like be the class clown Mm -hmm. because any attention is better than no attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, are these kids? Sounds like it. (laughs) However, shit normally backfired on them and the humans would be like you fucking little imp but pranks and jokes they're only funny for a little bit mm-hmm. and then it's like okay we get it stop well then when you're getting that bad shit they're like well i'll show you and so they got more malicious and more mischievous and so when people who were class clowns Sometimes they're known as being impish. hmm And that's where it comes from. Damn. On mysticinvestigations.com, they pose the question, what if imps are responsible for knots forming in everything so easily? And since they love to annoy, what's more annoying than things tangling so easily out of nowhere? So your phone cord back in the day. Mm-hmm. Or if you work at, like, an office or some shit, you know, you have the cords still and you're like, what the fuck? hmm Necklaces. Necklaces, hair dryer cords. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you're like, what the hell? You have to hang the hair dryer and let it twirl out. I have to do that to my headphones all the time mm-hmm. when we're recording. Mm-hmm. They say even
1: your own hair, like, carries <laughs> <laughs> out. No, because I was literally just thinking, I wonder if it. It's true for your hair, too. yeah. And then you're like, and your hair.
0: Well, because Carrie's hair will get so fucking naughty, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> They're also known to be the ones that misplace things. So if random things go missing, you know, you blame the dryer for eating a sock, it may be an imp. Also, on the mysticsinvestigation.com, they said that they do bite. What? Uh-huh. But it's own like their bites don't really hurt us and it's kind of like you know those little itches that you get out of nowhere and you're like, "Ow." Mhm. Could be a nymph. The fuck? I mean, I get those a lot. I feel Shame. like <laughs> And it's usually lower to the ground, too.
1: I feel like those are just like nerve endings
0: firing though. Probably. Or are they? Okay, Keith Morrison. (laughs) People believe that ants also feed off of human energy and emotion. So that's why they love to wreak havoc. And then the more, you know, the little like stupid pranks, like, where are my keys? Where are these? Blah, blah, blah. That round. The more energy they have. And so then they can build up and actually do the malicious shit. Yeah. And also, word to the wise, if you see an imp, be very cautious because you're only seeing them because they want you to see them. And it's never for a good thing. Because they, if they talk to you and stuff, they'll be like, ooh, I can grant you wishes. Mm -hmm. I can be your best friend. I can carry out things for you. But it's not going to be good. So there are lots of famous cases of imps. This is going to kind of be like a sinister sightings for imps. Okay. The first one's known as the Lincoln Imp. All right. Picture it. 14th century in Lincolnshire, England. It is best known for its cathedral, Lincoln Cathedral. So, like I said, it's the 14th century. So, you know, all the workings and the detailings, it's going to be ornate Well, there's one particular statue that visitors really go to see, and it's the Lincoln Imp. He's located in the Angel Choir next to the east window, and he's above a support pillar. And he's just kind of staring at the people below. And so picture a little gnome-ish gargoyle and he is sitting there with his legs crossed and he has that evil little mischievous grin like that shit eating grin mhm so according to legend there were two ants they were sent by satan because he was like run along kids and you know what i fucking hate that cathedral so go do something So they do. They go, they smash tables, fucking ruin chairs. They even tripped up the bishop. (gasps) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, while they're doing all this shit thing, like, imagine Tasmanian devils. An angel comes out of a book of hymns, and that angel's like, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new edition. Exactly. But so, like, stop. Well, one of the imps is like, no. No. And he... That is exactly (laughs) what I think one of them would sound like. Like a little shit-eating little fucker. (laughs) Yes. Well, he picks up rocks, and he starts throwing them at the angel. And like, I'm not gonna stop. You're not my mother. (laughs) mm Mm-hmm. Well, the other one, it goes, cowers under some of the tables, like, of the wreckage that they've caused. So the angel... Goes over to the one who's throwing the stones and he says, oh, impish imp, be ye turned to stone and boom, he was forever turned to stone right there. And like, that's how he was sitting, like with his legs crossed over, like, Uh I'm not gonna do it. (laughs) 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 I sounded like the guy. From Pee-wee's uh, Big Adventure. Oh, yes. That annoying <laughs> guy that steals his bike. Yes. Ugh, he's the worst. He is the fucking worst. Oh, okay. Well, when the angel was turning the stone thrower into stone, oh, karma, the second imp was like, oh, I'm going to scurry away. But even now, some people see out of the corner of their eye the second imp circling the building, looking for his friend. Oh, God. All right, story number two. Picture it. Porterville, California, 2004. There is this lady. Her name's Tammy, and she moves with three of her children to, you guessed it, a rural farmhouse near the Tule River. And even, like, right when they moved in, she felt that she was being watched, and sometimes she said, like, holy fuck, the thickness of the air, and she felt like eyes were all around her. You know, like where she couldn't move because it was just so heavy. Yeah. Well, soon she's like, you know what? Every time I'm close to this barn, this is when it gets really crazy. And this barn, she had like a 100 acres, okay? Mm -hmm. So, again, rural because... You're getting really good at that word. I, you know what? I practice it at night. No, I really don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might do it. Well, it's episode 90, so, you know, I can't get facts straight, but, man, I'm getting rural down pat. Psoriasis versus Psirosis? cirrhosis? hmm Doesn't matter. But rural, you got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to the barn. It's secluded on this 100-acre lot So, like I said, she noticed things were, you know, kind of, shit, that barn is, like, the center of. Like, the activity? Yeah. When she would walk around the barn, she'd get cold chills. She would have that pressure on her of, shit's watching me. And a lot of the animals that they had there, like, and I'm not talking just, like, a dog or a cat. There were turkeys, uh, even a duck. Like, but they all were kind of skittish of that barn. And if they had to walk around the barn, they would walk like way away from it to go around. You yeah. Kind of like when Marley's scared of her own fucking shadow mm-hmm. and she walks like all the way around. Yeah. Most of the time, like, if there was a dog there, it would just be staring into the barn, like, Looking at something, but not, like, moving its eyes, not mm-hmm. moving its head, like, straight on staring, like something was staring back at it. Yeah. Or they would go crazy, you know, barking, all the things like Bo and Marley at a deer. hmm But it would be all around this barn. Well, then they started noticing some sounds coming out of the barn then. And that was, like, growls, Were there animals in the barn? No. Oh. Nothing was in the barn. But then some of her animals started going missing. (gasps) Well, she's like, you know what? Trying to reason it away. The stuff that's, you know, the sounds coming out of the barn. It might be a stray dog in there. It might be rats. It might be whatever. Well,
1: but if she had turkeys and ducks and all of that and there's growling from the barn, it could have been like a coyote or something.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what she said, too, about, like, the missing animals. She's like, it could have been a coyote. They could have wandered off. You know, again, like, it's weird. Shit's kind of eerie, but... It's a farm. Mm-hmm. So, all that's good. You know, like, again, shit's scary, but it's probably normal. Mm. So, one night, Tammy and her son are coming back from town. They had picked up some groceries. Well... She opens her door, you know, to get all the shit because you know the sun's not going to help. You know that's going to, he's going to be like, I'm playing my Game Boy or whatever the kids are playing these days.
1: (laughs) Definitely not a Game Boy. (laughs) Maybe a Nintendo Switch. Oh, mm, okay. Not sponsored. Game Boy. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean,
0: apparently it's 1986. She gets to the trunk and she's like, wait, what the fuck was that? She sees something out of her peripheral vision, and she's like, no, 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 I saw something scurry, but nothing's there. However, you know, she's like, oh, my God, Tammy, get it to fucking gather. Mm -hmm. Well, then she hears this really weird laugh. She's later quoted on MysteriousUniverse.org as saying, This time I heard a very freaky, very evil sounding chuckle. I looked in the direction of the sound and there standing about 50 yards from my son and I was what I can only describe as a gnome. So she sees this humanoid figure about three feet tall, had a beard, wearing some baggy pants, because look, I get it. Tailors are expensive. Mm Mm-hmm. Had like a gold colored shirt on. And a red pointy cap. Did he have suspenders? I feel like he
1: should have suspenders.
0: What gnome has suspenders?
1: Um, I feel like all of them. Didn't
0: you watch *Nomeo and Juliet? I, *Nomeo*, I didn't. But <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Well, any garden gnome I've ever seen sounds exactly what she just said. Sans the suspenders. No, I guess they don't. I guess they just have a belt. And that, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Mm.
1: Some of them look like they have on overalls. Because, mm. yeah, I totally had to Google it, y'all.
0: Tally for Donna. You didn't say a belt. Oh, good, good. <laughs> so they're just standing there looking at this little creature. And they're both probably mouths open, fear farting. Well, the creature has black eyes. Mm-mm. Yeah. Tammy was later quoted again, saying, That thing grinned at us, and the creepy grin spread from ear to ear, and its teeth were a gross brown and pointed or jagged. It had a bulbous nose and large, deep-set eyes, though I really couldn't tell the color of them. I never got a closer look at it, and I don't know if it was wearing shoes or not, because at that moment, I dropped my groceries, grabbed my son, and ran for the house. Dang. Well, they make it back to the house. She slams the door shut, locks it, and she is frantically trying to tell her daughters what happened, but she is, you know, like, hyperventilating. Yeah. Well, then they hear that strange little cackle again. Uh Uh-uh. And then there's some movement right by a window. They all go to it because that's what you do. You know Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they see the top of that red pointy cap. Nope. I'm going to steal something from you. Here's the thing. This window is eight feet off the ground. Mm-mm. Why? Eight feet? It's really fucking tall. What is it on the second story? Maybe. I don't know. Eight feet off the ground? A window? That seems excessive. <laughs> so she closes the blondes out of sight, out of mind, huddles the kids, you know, like, let's go do something else. Let's get our minds off of this, whatever. And that was the only sighting that she saw. But she would continue to hear that malicious little cackle coming from the barn at various times. She said, after that night, whenever the dogs barked or howled, we were pretty sure we knew what they were barking at. We were also pretty sure of where our missing poultry had gone. From time to time, we would hear a weird, creepy chuckle and other noises coming from that old barn. Well, in 2010, Tammy and her family moved away. They weren't taking any chances. They were able to sell the farm and... Got the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Like, no, who's laughing now, bitch? Unless he went with him. Damn, but he didn't. Can he? Don't know. <laughs> 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 but a new family moved in. Oh, shit. Yep. And again, almost immediately, it was something about that old barn. Just wasn't right. Right after sunrise one morning... The couple who bought it, they woke up because they heard what they describe as a raspy, gurgling, singing. What? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they woke up kind of pale from what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. They look out the window and by the pond, they see this humanoid creature who's about three feet in height and he's wearing maroon pants a baggy yellow shirt a brown vest and a dark waistcoat this man fancy mhm he very shishi it might be the winner. he might have had to layer up he said look
1: that other outfit so last season
0: <laughs> i got to be bougie mhm these new people they got to know who i am <laughs> Well, and they also said he had a beard. So it really might have been, like, winter. No shame November. We all know. It's a thing. Uh, it is? Well, one thing was the same, and it was that red pointy cap. And also his teeth. Ugh. They said they were jagged and sharp, almost to the point of looking broken. Oh, gosh. That's, like, my biggest fear in life. <laughs>
1: Y'all know I have a thing with teeth. Like, I'm so scared I'm going to lose my real teeth.
0: Well, so they're looking, studying this creature, like, what the fuck are we looking at? He looks back at them, and in an asshole move, he... If you tell me he pulls his pants down like all those garden (laughs) gnomes. No, he didn't do that. While he's looking at them, he bends down and snatches... One of their koi fish from the pond. Damn, aren't koi fish expensive? Yes, they are. That mother humpa. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what does he do? He fucking opens his jaw with (gasps) those nasty teeth, and he just goes to town munching on it. Ew. And this this cracks me up. But apparently the husband was, like, banging on the thing, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, drop the fish. yeah. Because that would work. Mm -hmm. Well, the imp, he laughs that little laugh again. Mm -hmm. And then he gives them the middle finger and runs away. Okay. Hey. I mean, (laughs) like, I I have no words for that. I know. I know.
1: All I can picture is this being like a scary movie. And the whole time I'm watching it being like, it's a fucking gnome. Like, just kicking my way. You know, but really, it's like this, like maniacal, and I'm also like in my head, like, please, no imps come fuck with me, right? I, I got enough shit. I look, I misplace enough shit on my on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't need something else doing it for me.
0: No. Well, that wasn't the last time they saw him because he apparently loved koi fish, and so he would go back to that pond, and it would all happen again. And also, they had a little garden gnomes around mm-hmm. around the pond, and he loved fucking with them. Well, so the husband was like, "Oh, you like that? You like your little toys? So well, I'm going to take them away." Uh oh. Well, when Gnomeo, he came over <laughs> and <laughs> he threw a fucking tantrum. Uh oh. Uh huh. They said that he was, like, stomping about, and he was, like, talking in some weird language, so it's, like, gibberish, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, is this a cartoon? Because right. Because it sounds like a cartoon.
1: You know how, like, when a chihuahua gets, like, really mad, and you're like, what are you going to do? You mm-hmm. know, when they're like, you know, that was a terrible bark. But that's, like, how I pictured this thing. It's like, okay.
0: Look, but I am going to tell you the leprechaun the movie mhm it scarred me i know it did and so i can't make fun of these people even though i can not know me but it was just cuz you put that in my head and mm-hmm. it just stuck but again i'm like please don't let me get an imp mhm well things escalated well the imp started just kind of hitting on the walls to, like just terrorizing the family at night and they finally moved away damn yeah Another story that's pretty well known is the story of Chris Fleming, and he is actually kind of famous. He hosts some shows on TV, Dead Famous and Psychic Kids. Well, on his own website, which is Christopher Fleming with one mcom dot com, he goes into like the shit he's seen all throughout his childhood and kind of what led him to be into the paranormal and supernatural. And all the things. well picture it, 1970s in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. He said, you know, he's a young kid. And he said his house was haunted. But it was, you know, ghost. Mm-hmm. But also by imps, And he would call them little demons. He said they were around three feet tall and kind of like gremlins. He said that they would peer out of the walls... Walk out of, into, or fly out of all the closets and dark corners of the house. He was also quoted as saying, I became so terrified as a child that I slept with the lights on, slept with my back to the wall each night, and had by me a glow-in-the-dark plastic toy sword. My mom got me to help me feel safe at night. I even ended up placing a last rites cross oh, with candles and holy water beside my bed each night. Oh, my God. Also, I, I came across on his site, it was like, why did they come into the house? Like, why were they there? Yeah. And he, like, kind of ponders to himself, and he's like, really have no idea, but it could have been all the years of the Ouija board use. What? Maybe. Yep, Mm I would guess so. (laughs) Well, that would happen nightly. You know, him seeing different creatures and whatnot, but it would slow down. Then it stopped altogether. But then there was another encounter in 2009 where he saw an imp, or the little demon, as he said, and he tried to catch it. Hmm. He chased it into a closet. But it just vanished into thin air. Well, because you can only see it if they want you to see it,
1: right, you said?
0: Yes. Okay. And like I said, he called them little demons. He didn't know what they were or anything. Well, he did a spirit box session. And he asked, like, what kind of ghosts are in here? And he got a reply. And it says, just (gasps) imps. And so he started doing research. And it's like... Oh, fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, first of all, what's an imp?
0: Right? The last encounter he had with an imp was in December 2013. Well, he has gone on to give lectures and, like I said, host different TV shows and everything. Well, what he says is that, yeah, they are little demons and they're low level. And you know how, like, Poltergeist feeds on energy and everything like that. Mm -hmm. He thinks that these little demons go in and wreak havoc and kind of break down the family or whoever is living there Mm -hmm. to where the more powerful demons can come in and possess them, cause more mayhem, whatever. And every time he gives a lecture or does an interview or anything, he always... Warns people to try and not to investigate or to communicate with them because they're very dangerous and they quote spread like a virus. So he drew some of the creatures he saw in the closet and everything. So I want you to look at them and we'll put them on social media. Oh, uh uh-uh. uh, uh uh, I don't like that guy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He didn't
1: look like he has on any clothes. That thing really does look like a sweet garden gnome mixed with a gremlin mixed with the leprechaun from the movie. Yeah. Like, they all got together and had him.
0: I know. Well, and his drawings looked more reptilian. hmm So, I don't know. And But he saw them inside, and everyone else saw them outside. All right. I have a few more little stories, too. There was one on a site called Your Ghost Stories, and this person said in 1975, he was a kid, and at the time, his family was coming back from Fresno, California to their home in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, they're going and they decide to take a shortcut. Well, they get lost and end up in Nevada. So they stop in this, you know, like kind of one horse town kind of thing. Stay the night. Well, the guy who's writing this ghost story says that he went to sleep on his stomach as usual and he had his arm hanging off the bed, which Uh-oh. which we all know don't ever do it. Uh-uh. Well, in the middle of the night, he felt someone yanking and pulling at his arm. And so at first he's like, "Oh my god, it's a dog." Like, you know, kind of yeah. shake it off. But then it's like, "Wait, wait, wait." We didn't bring the dog on the trip with us. Uh -uh. You know, he kind of understands. Fuck. Well, then another tug happens. And so this time he's like wide awake, looks around, but sees complete darkness. Well, right then his arm gets yanked so hard he is pulled off of the bed. He looks up and what he sees is a kind of humanoid green glowing mist Well, his mom springs into action, jumps out of the bed, runs and like screams at this thing like, no, smacks it. Once she makes contact with it, he lets go of his arm and lets out a very high level screech. Then it starts whirling around like a funnel and disappears into a drain that's located kind of in the center of the room. Well, the dad is still asleep. The mom and the son, you know, they huddle together. They're like, you know, kind of soothing each other. And they finally drift back to sleep, wake up, go home. Years later, he's telling the story to someone and they're like, oh, that was an imp. Uh-uh. And what they told him is that the imp feeds off of the souls of young children. And they also have the ability to appear as children to other children. So that was something kind of different than what we've heard before. Well, like I mentioned, that they might feed on the souls of kids or whatever. There's a story from a girl who said at eight years old, she was in the UK, and she said that she went to bed one night and she kept hearing some tapping on her window. So, of course, she gets out of bed, goes to the window to check what's going on. And she sees something right outside the glass. Mm-mm. And she's quoted as saying, This thing was sat on my windowsill on the outside. Humanoid, about the same size as a four year old child, but its body was almost skeletal. Oh, God. It was so thin. It made the thing's head look slightly too big for its body. It had no hair whatsoever. But large black red eyes and a mouthful of lots of little sharp teeth, almost like a cat's. I hid under the covers, very scared, and I didn't get any sleep that night at all. Well, wow. So the next day, she talks to her mom and she's like, you didn't see anything. You know, like that's just your imagination, a bad dream, whatever. But here's the thing. There were three scratches In the window. Uh -uh. So she knew it was real. Well, at school, she's in art class and she draws the creature. Come to find out, another kid had drawn the exact same type of creature. So she asked the girl who drew it, like, what's that? And she told her about her experience and everything pretty much matched up. Even the three scratch marks on the window. That same girl, who was eight, she's 22, she's living in an apartment, and she had a boyfriend. One day, they woke up, living their best life, switched on the TV, had some coffee going, and Martin, her boyfriend, just kind of -of matter-of-factly asked, do you have an imp following you? (gasps) And so she was kind of, you know, like, oh, have you been reading those stories again? You know, kind of thing. And he's like, no, 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 no. I woke up to three taps on the window and I saw this thing. He describes it and it's exactly what she saw when she was eight years old. So they go to the window to get a closer look and there were three scratches on the outside of the window. Nah. Yeah. Well, have no fear because it is possible to. Like, repel imps, And because they're such a low-level demon, religious artifacts do work. And, like, you could have your house blessed by a priest. And also silver repels them. Really? Mm-hmm. On mysticinvestigations.com, they said that experienced practitioners can trap them in crystal balls or crystals in general. And the main one that they can use is quartz. So, pull a Spencer Pratt and have Crystal's everywhere up in your house. Dang. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. <laughs> but seriously, like, no one has time for any pranksters, especially if they, like, start doing the malicious shit. And also, we were talking to Courtney Pepino from Spellcast Podcast, and she said, like... She was doing a reading for us and she, it was like, what our week is going to be like or whatever. And she said something about fairies and something like with the card that she pulled. And I was like, oh, fuck, because no one knew what I was doing. And we were recording right after we had this reading. And so I was like, you know, it's kind of on topic because I'm doing imps. And she was like, oh, fuck. But she also said that, you know, what she knows of them is like them being mischievous and stealing stuff where, not really stealing, but like misplacing things. Mm -hmm. And she said that if you cannot find something, so she said to picture the creature that I've been describing, picture it in your mind and then picture you having some big nails, like the big ones And like putting it up on the wall and hammering the nail in its shirt, and like you saying, You have to stay here until my blah returns. And she said, It normally works, and then you just have to remember to release him. And I was like, Uh, okay, Dan, I'm gonna uh, have to tell everybody about that. You know, that picture,
1: do you remember on Home Alone? when they're at the house across the street and they pick him up and like put him on that hook. Yes. And he, that's literally what I picture. Yes.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think someone in the Facebook group had uh, misplaced something of theirs. Well, and someone else had commented and was like, put a little offering, something shiny, something, you know, whatever. And like, be like, here you go, but I need my car keys back. And their car keys were just like, bloop, right there. It wasn't their car keys, but you know what I mean. Like It was definitely not there before. And it was kind of just like, here I am. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, they're like kids, so they can be bribed with (laughs) freaking shiny things or also like me. That's the damn truth. hmm Put some confetti or glitter, and I'm like, there S- I go. Sprinkles for me. Ooh, yeah. Also sprinkles. Man, ems are little fuckers. They really are. But also, don't come at me. Right? Well, and then when you think about it, like, okay, these sound silly, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you think about how they were talking about, like, what nots putting knots in things or mm-hmm. whatever. And again, yes, it's all mundane things. And of course, you know, like shit happens and it's like gravity and whatever, all the scientific shit. But also it's like, what if it's not right scientific? What if it really is something older than science, basically, you know, that still happens and like those little itches that you get and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's so crazy. And I'm like, wait, 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 that happens to me. And then that makes me really nervous (laughs) because also, you know, you see shit out of your peripheral vision. And I'm like, oh, it's Marley. Wait, wait, wait. Marley's right here. You know? That's so true. But it's almost like if they
1: wanted to be seen because, I mean, you said that they show themselves when they want to be seen. They wouldn't be so like only in the periphery,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Who knows, though? All I know is I don't want to see one.
0: Right, me either. I'm all about the hygiene of the teeth. Well, That was a good one. Yay! I'm glad you liked it. It was a little different. Well, mine's a doozy this week. Oh, shit.
1: And, spoiler alert, it's unsolved.
0: Oh, great. I'm leaving right now. (laughs) No, no, don't hang up! (laughs) (laughs) But wait! It's an old
1: one, though. Okay. All right, picture it. Cleveland in the 1930s. Well, at this time, we're kind of coming out of the Great Depression. People are starting to, you know, have better jobs, more money, all the things. And Cleveland, like many other cities, is beginning to thrive and grow. A lot of laborers were coming into the city because the steel thing was growing. Industry. That, that's a really good word. Mm-hmm. They were even going to have the Republican National Convention there in 1936. So Cleveland was starting to take off.
0: Uh, yeah, because Cleveland rocks. <laughs> we saw Drew Carey.
1: But here's the thing. During all of this growth, all of this, like, prosperity and, and conventions come in, they were even wanting to have, like, a the World's Fair there, like how they did in Chicago. Yeah. But all the while, one of the most macabre serial killers was active.
0: Dun-dun-dun...
1: This Cleveland serial killer was active from the years 1934 to 1938. And, again, it's all unsolved. I'm talking about the Cleveland Torso Killer. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I got so much cool information from the Cleveland Police Museum. Oh, cool. Yeah. They had the best timeline breakdown of, like, when all the bodies were found and stuff. Mm. The other name that the Cleveland Torso Killer went by... Was the Kingsbury Run Murderer. Oh, I've heard of him. No, you have not. <laughs> okay. In the 1930s, though, Kingsbury Run was a very dangerous place. It was just a little out, not even really outside the city, but, like, outside the city from what I gather. You know, I mean, I didn't, like, pull up Google Earth from 1930. But it's its not even, like, I don't even say, like, a suburb. It's like a, like a ward of okay. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of... What they called, quote, hobo, it was a hobo jungle is what the, Mm. what it's called. And so basically it was this huge camp for people who were were homeless. Because again, we were just coming out of the Great Depression. Not everybody had jobs. Not everybody came out of it at the same time. You know, some people were ruined forever financially. And so a lot of people were living in this kind of homeless camp. There was a lot of people who were Transient because again, they were homeless, but there was also a train that ran right there. And so, you know, it was easy for the kind of transient lifestyle because you could just hop on and off the train. There was an area just east of that though that was called the Roaring Third. And it was basically like I think of like in New Orleans, have you have how you have like the third ward, the ninth ward? That's Mm -hmm. kind of how I think of it. I don't know if that's actually, but that's the only way I can kind of picture it in my head. Yeah. But the Roaring Third was kind of like the seedy party hotspot. So, okay. it had all the bars, all the brothels, all the casinos. And that's, And I mean, that sounds like the place I want to fucking be. Mm-hmm. Hello, Bourbon Street. I mean, you're not wrong. But it was this area that was like the perfect hunting ground for a serial killer. The first body was found in September of 1934. And what happened was... This younger guy was walking along Lake Erie, and he came upon this body that had washed up up against the shore on the shore. And when he saw the body, though he he noticed that it had been dismembered, but like from the knees down. So it was oh, the god, yeah. So they did. You know, of course, he reported it. Please come, blah, blah, blah. And they, they did find some, a few of the other body parts around. Mm. But the victim who was, they guessed, in her mid-30s, a female, they never figured out who she was.
0: Oh my gosh, bless it. So
1: she is, they call her the Lady of the Lake.
0: Well, that sounds romantic and it's not.
1: It does, it, but, it, but it almost in like a...
0: Ophelia the, way.
1: You know, this is so weird, but in my head, I was picturing, like, I got the feeling of, like, the mermaid, the sirens thing for some reason, you know? When they were doing the autopsy, they noticed that there was, like, her skin was kind of red and, like, really tough, almost, like, leathery. Ooh. And they were like, this is some kind of, like, chemical preservative. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until two years later, though, that they kind of finally put the pieces together that this lady was actually the really the first victim. Mm. But it was two years later, and so she's actually known as victim number zero because they already had a victim number one because they didn't put the pieces in until later. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, like, there were, like six victims, I'm making that number up, six victims, and they're like, oh, she actually matches the demo. This She's part of it. So, but it was already number one, so they have made her number zero. Okay. Then, in September of 1935, so a year later, there are these two boys, teenagers, they're just walking around, and they find the body of a white male at the bottom of Jackass Hill. Jackass Hill? <laughs> I look like... Was so excited about this part to see what your reaction was to Jackass Hill. <laughs> the body that they found was completely naked, except for a pair of socks.
0: Oh Lord. I mean, that's kind of my MO. What if, if y'all find my body and I have socks on, I was murdered. <laughs> because uh uh-uh. suffocated. That's how it is. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It could be dead of winter and I am not wearing fucking socks. If you you buy my body naked with socks on, I probably just got done having sex. (laughs) You're not wrong. Oh, shit. Okay. Her socks only match on the days that she has a date. (laughs) And I'm not wrong. anymore
1: <laughs> okay. okay 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 this body had been decapitated and castrated oh and the the wrists had rope like rope burns on it yeah the body had also been completely drained of its blood Ooh, yeah well they were able to get his fingerprints and they actually identified him as edward Andrassy. And so this poor guy was only 28 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, Edward had an arrest record, which is why they had his fingerprints. And he was a patron of the Roaring Third. Nothing I found said if he was homeless or not, but it was rumored that he was gay. Okay. So I don't know if that's why he was like frequenting the Roaring Third. I don't know if it was... I mean, it's 1935, you know, but not far from him, the police found another body. Oh, gosh. And just like Edward, this body had been decapitated and emasculated. Here's the thing, though. This body had the same, like, chemical preservative that Victim Zero, the Lady of the Lake, had— and so I'm like, why did it take them two years to put that together Yeah, if it had the same fucking chemical on it?
0: Yeah. I guess because these were two men. Maybe. And,
1: you know, they never identified this body, but they think that he was like about a 40-year-old white male. But at first I was like, well, maybe these guys were lovers if they were found not far from one another, both emasculated, you know, maybe... They were lovers that were caught or what you know. Yeah. But the unknown male had been dead for a couple of weeks. Mm. So they weren't killed together. Yeah. Same dumping ground. hmm
0: I wonder if it was really a hate crime if they were both gay. I don't know, because we don't know who yeah.
1: the other guy was. And again, it was rumored. So yeah. he could have had maybe more, quote-unquote, feminine mm-hmm. mannerisms, I roll, but... In 1935, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're probably like, oh, he's gay, when he probably really wasn't.
0: I wonder if the police went down that rabbit hole for that lead, if it was a hate crime. No. I mean. Well, they might have found the killer by then. But here's the thing. I don't think so.
1: Because you're dealing with populations of people who are perceived as less victims than. True. Because it's. You know, and we'll go into this more, but it's people who are homeless, Mm -hmm. people who are quote unquote, have a high risk lifestyle. Exactly. I hate that. And by no means do I agree with any of that. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, I mean, so no, they, they wouldn't because they'd be like, well, he shouldn't have been hanging out on the Roaring 3rd, you know, they would victim blame. And so, no, I don't think that they did. I don't think that a hate crime was even a thing. Right. You know what I mean? I mean. Did they occur? so fucking lutely Yeah. But did anybody care? No.
0: Right. Because it was people, like you said, who were... Different and mm-hmm. living
1: a quote-unquote high-risk lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And what's sad is that you think, oh, this is 1935, but the same thing still happens today. hmm You know? And it's just like... I mean, they knew better, but we really know better. hmm I know. Anyway, sorry. Before, I don't want to get on a soapbox. But, uh, do I need to get your step stool? <laughs> <laughs> I left it in the car. That's why I'm not getting up there. Okay.
1: One thing I forgot to say about Edward Andrassi's murder, I hope I'm saying that correctly, is that his cause of death was decapitation. No. Yeah. So it's like that poor guy. I mean, poor all these people that are being murdered, but god yes. damn. Done from decapitation. What did they? I mean, it wasn't like a fucking guillotine, right? You know, I right. mean, how did they? Oh god. Oh, it just, it just like mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like,
0: <gasps> Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. was the castration before or after death? Do they know? I, nothing I saw said. Okay.
1: Well, in January of nineteen thirty-six. They find a half-naked body of a woman this time. Well, do you know what a a half-bushel basket is? No. Me neither. But apparently, she was found in two of them because she had been dismembered. Like, it was half of her body that was found.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
1: and she was wrapped in newspaper and found in those baskets.
0: This is where me being a cop would never work out because I'd be like, what are these newspapers significant for? And would go through every single thing and ban, like, it's a coded message somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I would. But that's the thing. It could be, though. I know. But, like, they'd be like, Donna, here's your pet project. You go in your hole and you mm-hmm. do it.
1: But that's the thing, though. And I think that that's why investigations are so expensive is because mm-hmm. you do have to look at all that stuff. Because it could be someone fucking with you. Yeah. Being like, I'm smarter than the police, and they can't catch my clues that I'm leaving them. Mm-hmm. That would make. I mean, hello, BTK. Mm-hmm. Well, about two weeks after they found the naked body, basically the torso. About two weeks later, they found everything else but her head.
0: Were those parts also in a bushel pack thing? <laughs> That's a song. A bushel
1: and a peck and a hug around the neck. (laughs) Bushel basket. (laughs) Bushel basket. Oh, God, that's funny. Now, this one, I do know how you were asking about with Edward, like how he died by the decapitation. Mm -hmm. And you were asking if the... Other things happen pre or post-mortem. Well, with this victim, who they were able to later identify as Florence Palillo, but I want to say it's polio but everything has said Palillo. She was identified as this victim, and she also died from decapitation, but her limbs were not disarticulated until rigor had already set in. mm So we know from like the comparison that she had been disarticulated when rigor had set in, but so we know it, it wasn't the case for him, but I don't know if that means that he was alive or if it was immediately after death, you know? Yeah. Florence was actually pretty well known around the Roaring Third. She had a really hard time from the depression. You know, she lost everything. And so she, like many others, resorted to sex work. She was also a waitress and a barmaid. Then again, a couple of months later, so all these victims, so you can see kind of this cooling off period because the bodies are found about every like five plus months. So again, June 1936, again, two young, you know, younger kids walking around. Cause remember the, the first one, was found by a young man. And then the second one was found by two teenage boys. You know, it's like these poor people that are stumbling upon these bodies, but they found the head of a white male. And this head was wrapped in pants. What? Yeah. The next day police found his body and this guy was in his twenties. Same thing. Died by decapitation, and he too had been drained of all of his blood, but everything else was intact. So he had just been decapitated. Okay. The police were able to get fingerprints from him, and this guy even had tattoos. He had six tattoos, but they couldn't identify him. God. Even with all of that. And so he's known as the tattooed man. Back in the 30s, men who had tattoos were either sailors or had been in prison. And so they were like, surely we can find out who this guy is based on his tattoos. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's a very narrow pool in the thirties, you know, it's not like now where bearded tatted up dude is like every girl's dream. Right. Because it is. Mm -hmm. Hey boy. Hey, but they, they still couldn't identify him. So what they did was they created like a plaster of his face So they could put it at this place called the Great Lakes Exposition, and this was in 1936. It said that more than 100,000 people came through and saw this guy's plaster face, but they still never identified him. And they did that with three other victims. And those are still on display at the Cleveland Police Museum.
0: Oh, whoa! Which is
1: where I got, you know, where I got this timeline. There was actually another website called allthatsinteresting.com, and that's where I got a lot of good information too. Well, the next body was found in July, and this was same thing. A body was found decapitated. This one was about a forty year old, they think, white male, and the police think that this victim was actually killed where his body was found. The other ones, they were like, okay, this, this has been dumped, you know, Yeah. because, well, this is why they think that not far from his body, they found a pile of bloody clothing and his head. Mm. Yeah. That's why I said this one, this case is a doozy, lots of gory, you know, well, there was a lot of blood around that had seeped into the ground and they estimated that he had been dead for about two months.
0: Holy Hannah.
1: Yeah. But no identity. Okay, so the next body that was found a couple of months later in September. Listen, now, if this is not some shit I would do, this fella was just trying to get on a damn train. You know, living his best life, hopping train to train, going all the places. And when he is running to get on the train, he trips over a body. Holy shit. If that's not some shit I would do, trying to get on the damn train. Right. mm you Also, though, could really and truly, in all seriousness, could you imagine?
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, the part of the body that he tripped over, though, was just the torso. So the police are searching nearby, you know, seeing if they can find something, something. They ended up finding the lower half of the torso and the legs. Mm-hmm but it was found in like this big open sewer so they had to send a diver down to Mm-mm. get it all
0: mm yeah
1: well here's the thing there's a really cool picture of this too because there's a lot of pictures of this of these cases that it's like I cannot believe that's a picture but there is a picture of this and like you can see all these people like standing around watching them like try to get this stuff out of this big sewer thing and they say that there were like 600 people out Holy Look at me. that. And of course, they assumed that the killer was one of them.
0: Yeah. Well, hell, he was probably trying to flee. And a mob came over and he was like, well, shit, might as well just sit here. Let me just sit here and see what's up, what they mm-hmm. gonna
1: find. Well, this one, just like a lot of the other victims, had died from decapitation. With this one, too, the coroner was really starting to notice the types of hacks, for lack of a better word. I'm sorry, that sounds so crude, but... That there was no hesitation marks. Like this was, so the coroner's kind of starting to put this together like, okay, this guy or girl who's that is the killer Mm -hmm. has some sort of maybe some sort of training of how that they are disarticulating these joints. They have to know, they know some sort of anatomy. They know, you know, they're comfortable with it because again, there's no hesitation marks, even with the decapitation, Mm. no hesitation marks. Well, this is the time where. Okay, this is the sixth victim, right? I mean, they're like, we we have to figure out who the fuck this is. Yeah. And so the mayor of Cleveland, he was getting a shit ton of pressure to, to get this solved. So Cleveland had just appointed a new safety director. And his name was Elliot Ness. And I know
0: you, that name.
1: Uh-huh. Because... Elliot Ness is known for creating the Untouchables, who were this federal law enforcement agency that took down Al Capone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why you fucking know. So, everybody's like, let's fucking bring in Elliot Ness. Like, he's the fucking man, you know? Like, he's gonna get this shit done. Right? He didn't. Mm-mm. Still unsolved. Well, and, you know, it really was kind of a black mark on his career. You know, he went yeah. from... He had just come off of, you know, taking down Al Capone and on this high. And then there's this fucking case that he can't solve. Yeah. Now, I will say, though, there was a lot that people didn't know was happening behind the scenes of people he was interrogating and, you know, doing like fucking polygraphs on his, you know, all this stuff that people didn't know he was doing, which is kind of how it should be. You know, the public doesn't need to know everything about a case, but... Bottom line, it was never solved. And so it was still this kind of dark cloud over his career. With that said, though, Elliot Ness, his career in Cleveland wasn't a total bust. Like he, every detective has that case that they can't solve, you know. And, And for him, it was this. But he did, like, take down Cleveland's Italian mafia. And there were a lot of, like, corrupt police officers involved with that. And he took all of them down. That's awesome. Him and his fucking untouchables, and they were called the untouchables because they were saying they were, like, incorruptible. Well, there were two main detectives on the case, Peter Marylo and Martin Zalewski. Well, okay, remember, they're in the Roaring Third, and this is an area where there's a lot of homelessness. And so, Peter Merilow actually spent a lot of time undercover as a homeless person to try to figure out, like, what's going on. Because, you know, much like if you go into a camp for for people who are homeless in the city of Denver, they're not going to just talk to police. You know, they have their code and they have their whatever. It takes time to build that trust up. And so he went undercover to see if he could get some more information. This is what was so cool about Detective Mary Lowe, though. So he was actually from the Ukraine. And... Unlike Elliot Ness, who was college educated and, you know, very like prim, proper kind of thing. Well, Mary Lowe was more blue collar. He was an immigrant and he spoke multiple European languages. And so he was perfect for this undercover work because he could go talk to all the other people who were, you know, who had immigrated and... You know he could speak to them in their languages, and so it just helped him integrate himself into that hobo culture faster, which yeah. I thought was so cool. And but that just shows you though that like everybody truly has their role, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like everyone and education doesn't make you great at all things, you know. Right? It's what makes the world go round. And I love that it just kind of paints this picture of. I feel like this this investigation was pretty well rounded, but they just couldn't come up with who it was. Yeah. It's November and it's election year. And so, of course, the torso killer of Cleveland, hes you know also known as the Mad Butcher, he had a bunch of names, but that case was a big part of the election. In February of 1937, the upper half of a woman's torso is found washed up on the shore. And she was actually different in that her cause of death was not the decapitation, but that had happened post-mortem. And then about three months later, the lower half of her body washed up on shore. And they know that she was, again, a young woman, they guess in her mid-20s, but never could identify her. Then a couple of months later in June, someone found a skull under the bridge. And right next to it, they found this bag that had the skeletal remains in it. Mm. And the police were actually able to use dental work, and they identified her as Rose Wallace, but that wasn't like an official identification. And this is what's stupid about it though, because, okay, the, her son was like, that's her. They had the dental records, but because the dentist had died, the dentist couldn't confirm.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Right. And the other thing that they were like, well, was because they estimated that the body had been dead for a year and Rose had only been missing ten months.
0: Oh my gosh, that's splitting hairs.
1: I know. Here's the interesting thing, though. Rose was the only black victim, but and that's what's so interesting about this victimology, though, is because it's men, women, forties, you're you know, forty year olds, twenty year olds, and then you know, so far they've all been white, but she's the first, well, first and only black victim. Isn't that interesting? It's like. It is. And it's
0: scary because then it's like.
1: How the fuck you catch this guy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the very next month in July, there was a lot of shit happening with. Remember how I talked about there was a lot of laborers there because the steel industry was growing. Well, there was a huge strike. And so of the laborers. And so there was just a lot of like rioting and picketing type things. And so the National Guard had to come in to like get shit right. Well, one of the National Guardsmen actually found the next victim. He was standing on the bridge, and a tugboat passed. And you know how it creates the wake behind Mm it. In the wake, he saw a piece of a human body. Mm -mm. So over the next few days, the police were able to find the whole body except for the head. Well, here was the difference. This, sorry, this torso... Had been gutted.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: And the heart removed. Mm. And so they're That's like heartless. Oh god. But <laughs> and so it's like this is a whole nother level, though, to yeah. the cruelty and the whatever that I'm trying to say to the bodies,
0: to the degree of desecration.
1: Yeah. Good one. Thanks for my words today. Mm-hmm. They never identified this victim. Well, then in April of nineteen thirty eight, a guy was on his way to work and he saw what he thought was a dead fish. Like on the you know, the banks of the river. Well, of course it wouldn't be in my story if it was actually a fish. It ended up being a lady's leg. It took a whole month for police to actually be able to find more of this body. They ended up finding two burlap bags, which do you remember earlier me saying that somebody's body was found in a bag? Those were burlap bags too. I did. She's looking at me crazy, but I did say it. Probably. Maybe. But in those bags was the torso and the rest of the legs. But here's the thing. This was the first victim that had drugs in their system. And so it was like, hmm, is it because they use the drugs? Or is someone who clearly knows about anatomy Mm -hmm. drugging these people before he decapitates them and kills them? So it just adds another layer, though, to trying to figure out who this is. So, okay, so now it's somebody that we think knows anatomy, somebody that may have access to drugs. But again, they don't know, is it the victim that did the drugs or, you know what I mean? So we don't know yet. Well, a few months later, this was August 16th, the torso of a woman was found. And this torso was wrapped in a blue blazer. Because remember, we had the one head that was found in the pants. Mm -hmm. And now this torso is found in a blazer. But over the blazer was actually, it was wrapped in a quilt. So later they found the legs and the arms. Legitimately, they were wrapped in brown butcher paper and had the rubber band around it. Like it was literally like they went and got meat from the local butcher store. You know how they wrap it in the Mm -hmm. paper? The head was wrapped the same way. Here's the thing. This body, the coroner was like, this looks like this might have been refrigerated for a little bit. Yeah. Well, while the police are looking, you know, for more parts for of this body, they find the last known victim of the Cleveland Torso Killer. And this victim was just a couple of yards away from the other victim. But guess what the kicker is? Actually, don't guess. <laughs> It was a rhetorical guess. These two victims were in line of sight of fucking Elliot Ness's office. <gasps> what a big fuck you from uh-huh. the killer to Elliot Ness. Yes. hmm So here's the thing. Two days later, Elliot Ness is done. He is like, look, I'm not fucking with this anymore. So this is so terrible. It was 1240 in the morning. He and 35 police officers go into that area of the, like, the camp, the homeless camp, again, what was called then the Hobo Jungles, they had 11 squad cars, two police vans, and three fire trucks, and they burned it down. No. Yep.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Before they had burned it down, they did go through looking for any type of evidence, and then again, burned it completely down. So this place where all of these... I think it was like hundreds of oh my people who were homeless who lived in these tents and this camp, they were all displaced now. So the media like tore him up for this. They were like, this yeah. is the dump. Like, what the fuck did you just do? As they should. His his thinking was that of the victims that they knew who they were and the locations that a lot of the victims' bodies were found was in that area of the Roaring Third and just that whole Kingsbury Run area, the idea behind this terrible idea was that by burning this camp down, all of these people had to move on, and by the moving on, you eliminated the serial killer's pool of victims.
0: And that's not going to happen. Well, here's the bad
1: thing: is it, it, that is what happened. The killing stopped. Oh, so oh, never mind. But, but it's still the, it's still terrible you yeah. know it's still these people's lives are ruined now i mean like you you took away they they are homeless and this is the only home they had and you took it away yeah so i don't know if maybe the killer lived there
0: girl i was just about to say he might have lived there
1: and then yeah was was you know his hunting grounds was where he lived but okay There was actually someone arrested for the murders. His name was Frank Dolezal. This is why they honed in on him, because he actually lived with Florence for a little while. So he knew her, and he actually knew Edward Andrassi and Rose Wallace, who were the other identified victims. And so they honed in on him because they were like, well, he knows these victims. It's got to be him.
0: I feel like if he did this, those would be the ones that he made sure you couldn't identify.
1: Yeah. So what they did was they did a 1938 uh, interrogation, which can you only imagine how bad that was. Oh, my gosh. And so he, mega air quotes, confessed. And literally the confession has been described as incoherent ramblings like oh my god he knew no details he was only regurgitating what the police was telling him it he had clearly been coached you know it, it he did not fucking do this so he was arrested and right before he went to trial he was found dead in his jail cell when they did the autopsy he had six broken ribs and they claimed that he died by suicide, and they say that he hanged himself. Here's the thing:
0: Epstein didn't kill himself.
1: He was five eight, his height five eight. The hook that he killed, quote unquote, air quotes, mega air quotes, used to hang himself was five feet seven inches from the floor.
0: Oh gosh!
1: So. Tell me how he hanged himself, but, right. was, but was standing. Like, not like, mm-hmm. okay, he bent his knees and he hanged, you know, that way. No, he was like, he did not. Mm-mm. And so it's like, his death in, in jail right before the trial, you know, it's all very sketch. But it, people, because people are like, so he clearly didn't do this. And he clearly did not kill himself. And so they think that. He was murdered because he was. Uh, was about to go to trial, and they knew that they weren't going to win. With you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, so but it's like so. Why did the sheriff like why why him? Why you know was it just because they were like okay this guy looks good? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think they were just trying to solve this because mm-hmm. it was such. I mean it's it's a it's a serial killer that they can't find. Yeah. And there were and there were twelve victims. You know, so it's like. They were under so much pressure. Well, okay. There was one other suspect who, to be honest, I think is who did this. Oh. Allegedly. His name was Francis Sweeney. Police actually arrested him not long after the raids, like just a couple of days after they, you know, they raided and burned down that camp. So Francis Sweeney was a physician. And so what do physicians know? Anatomy. Mm Mm-hmm. Francis Sweeney also was a soldier in World War One, And you know what his job was? Field amputations.
0: Oh, shit. hmm
1: Well, he was interviewed by Ness. Because, I mean, like, you're bringing in the big guns. You're not even letting the sheriff do it. You're fucking bringing in Elliot Ness to interview this guy. Because they think that it's him. Yeah. They did. So polygraph testing was very, very new at the time. But they brought in a guy, did test. he failed two different polygraphs, which again, it was 1938 mm-hmm. at this point. It, who, I mean, probably anybody could pass or fail one of those. Yeah, they had to let him go because they didn't have any evidence to keep him, and he was well connected, so they had to let him go. Well, not long after that, he actually checked himself into a hospital for alcoholism. and while he was there, he was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to come and go from the ho- like. So they, you know, when you're like, okay, well, he was like institutionalized, basically. You're like, okay, well, he couldn't really do anything while he was there, but he actually had a lot of freedom and could come and go from the hospital as he pleased. While he was in the hospital, he sent a couple of postcards to Elliot Ness, kind of again a big fuck you to Elliot Ness. Yeah. Well, it's also rumored that that Sweeney was bisexual. So again, same as before when we were talking about the victim that they say was rumored to be gay, was he really or was it like people guessing shit that they don't understand in 1936 or 38 or whatever year it was at this point? It got me to thinking though, if you look at the different victimology, it kind of would make sense that the killer might have been gay and trying to come to terms with that Mm -hmm. because you know if some of the men who were murdered were gay and maybe he was meeting up with them or whatever and it it turned because he you know Mm -hmm. couldn't deal with it or you know if you look at like Florence the victim who was a known sex worker maybe he was trying to make himself not gay Mm -hmm. or I mean maybe if he was really bisexual he was into but I don't know but it's it's you can see how if it is him, that could happen. Yeah. The thing about Francis Sweeney is he was never gonna get convicted. His uncle, remember how I said he well connected. Mm-hmm. His uncle was a congressman. And said congressman uncle was a political rival of Elliot Ness. Mm. So it was like they were never gonna get conviction because they could they it was always he could be like well, you're just going after him because of his uncle. Right. Because his uncle was a huge mouthpiece of, why haven't y'all caught this guy? hmm Which I get, but, I mean. Yeah. Because it's your fucking nephew. Allegedly. Allegedly, they say. Maybe. There's one sort of kind of conspiracy, sort of kind of, it could be this person. And this is the last thing we'll talk about. Remember the detective Peter? the one who went undercover all the time, he had a theory. His theory was that the murders in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, in an area called the Murder Swamp, he thought that that was actually the same person as the Cleveland Torso Killer. Mm. Because
0: from 1925
1: to 1934, four bodies that had been mutilated were found in the Murder Swamp. Then the murders pick up in Cleveland from 34 to 38, then the murders pick back up in Pennsylvania in 1939 and six more bodies were found until 1942. Wow. So it's like the timeline is perfect. Yeah. Especially if you look at the cooling off period in between each each of the murders, it stands to reason, you know, I mean, like mm-hmm. it, it works out, but again, they neither one of those were solved. mm some say it was the work of multiple people because of how different the victimology was. It was men. It was women. Ages were different. You had one one person or one victim who was black. The rest were white. you know. So some people say that it was multiple killers. But my money's on old Doctor Sweeney.
0: Well, it makes sense, and I think the different victimology stuff could be that he hated himself, and so in all of the people he. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he killed them because of either rejection or they didn't reject him or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, if it really was Francis Sweeney, he was schizophrenic. There's, I mean, there may not be the reasoning that we think that there is behind any of these murders. It could just be because of the schizophrenia. Yeah. With that said, Soapbox having schizophrenia does not make you a killer. Now, do some killers have schizophrenia? Yes. Do some killers have depression? Yes. Do some killers have a right hand? Yes. You know what I mean? It <laughs> yeah. does not mean that because people who have schizophrenia are killers. Right. Because that is such a misconception. And I think that it is really important to point out that because people hear schizophrenia and they think sometimes they think killer, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. it's not one in the same. It's, People who have schizophrenia that are violent, it's usually violence towards themselves, Mm -hmm. not other people. Yeah. Okay, stepping off my soapbox now. What pisses me off about this case is that we still have some of the same issues now. Mm Mm-hmm. And people dying because, one, they're different from someone else, two, because they're doing things in their life to survive that someone else deems of a lower moral standard. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't. I just, you know. Hmm. What do you think? Who do you think did it? That timeline, though. I mean, Sweeney seems plausible. Elliot Ness, that's who he thought did it. For sure. Mm. For sure. I think that the detectives might have thought otherwise. Hmm. So maybe he did have a vendetta out, you know. Yeah. Maybe it was. I'm going to shut your uncle up. I'm going to fucking arrest you. Yeah. I don't know. But the circumstantial stuff makes sense. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Gosh. it's
1: fucking circumstantial.
0: Yeah. Here's something I learned. Shit's still the same. Unfortunately. Not as bad. Not not as bad, but also sometimes as bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's, we can say not as bad, but it's still bad. Absolutely. I completely agree. And so it's like, it still shouldn't happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But then again too, we don't know.
1: Are we projecting this whole I don't know if victimology is the right word, but this like thought process on this killer that's not even there. Maybe all of these were victims of opportunity because they're just just a killer. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it is the person that went back and forth between Pennsylvania and, you know, and and they're just a killer. Maybe they were a uh, some sort of Migrant worker, you know? Yeah. And it's just opportunity. I don't know. You, That's the problem. We don't fucking know. And I feel like nor, nor will we ever Mm-mm. at this point, you know? It's damn near almost 85 years later. Yeah. i tell you what I don't want. An imp? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. sure don't want one of those. I can lose enough shit on my own.
0: Right? I did learn a new adjective, though. What? Impish. Oh, yeah. I was like, what?
1: (laughs) I feel like I've heard that before. I have. Like the origin of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let us know what y'all learned and who you think the uh, torso killer is.
1: Or if you know any other uh, conspiracies behind it that we didn't cover.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you think Carrie's serial killer name would be? Like the torso killer, like what would it be? Um, Imagine something about tripping. That would be your defense. I didn't mean to kill him. I tripped. The weak ankles killer. <laughs> Carrie, it was a pebble killer. <laughs> Thank y'all
1: so much for listening. Please subscribe and review all the things. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. Get scared.